1: Well, thank you for joining us. Right here on African Dialogue, my name is Benjamin Mushatama. You'll be with me for the next hour. Right here on the frequency nine six two five kilohertz on the thirty-one meter band, Southern Africa on DSTV, we're on channel nine zero two. Well, today we're crossing live to Durban, and we're going to find out what's happening there. Right here in South Africa, where the Women in Agribusiness Conference is underway. So we're going to find out what that particular uh, conversation that's happening there is all about. But before we get into that exciting topic, Let's uh, get our news from Onelin Tinti.
4: And we take a look at your headlines this morning. Egyptian President Abdel Fattah al-Sisi calls for NATO powers to help rebuild Libya. A cargo airline, airplane crash lands shortly after takeoff in South Sudan's capital, Juba, and Rwanda touted as a model student in the improvement of its human development indices. with your latest news a very good morning. I am Onelin Tinti. Egyptian President Abdel Fattah al-Sisi is calling for NATO powers to help rebuild Libya. Al-Sisi was quoted in the British newspaper The Daily Telegraph ahead of a visit to London in which he is to discuss security cooperation with Prime Minister David Cameron. Libya has descended into chaos since longtime leader Muammar Gaddafi was ousted in 2011 and killed in the midst of an uprising supported by NATO states. Meanwhile, Assisi's visit to London has been criticised by many human rights groups who say it adds legitimacy to a regime that restricts freedom of speech and imprisons its opponents. Author and activist Adhaf Soor Aif.
5: I find it worrying as a citizen of both the UK and Egypt. I think it definitely sends the wrong message because the regime needs acceptance and if It has acceptance when it's disappearing people from the streets and giving people ridiculous jail sentences and allowing people to die in prison for lack of medical attention, then that is definitely the wrong message.
4: A cargo airplane has crash landed shortly after takeoff in South Sudan's capital, Juba. The plane heading to Palok in Upper Nile State crashed just 800 meters from Juba International Airport on Wednesday. It reportedly crashed on the banks of the White Nile River, which passes by close to Juba Airport. It's, Im- it's not immediately clear if there were any casualties. Rwanda has been touted as a model student in the improvement of its human development indices. While many countries in the region are struggling with insecurity and conflict, the country which only 25 years ago lost 800,000 people in a genocide is now among Africa's top contributors of troops to peacekeeping missions. Deputy Commander of Rwanda's National Police College, Joseph Rudasingwa.
6: Our leadership is committed. They are always ready to help the police to perform better. We have faced in the past security challenges, and it's only Rwandans who did their best to overcome those challenges. This culture has been embedded in every Rwandan, and each Rwandan is motivated to work hard to make sure that security is guaranteed for everybody. If we don't have political commitment, if we are not supported by the leadership, we cannot do anything.
4: And finally, changes to typical climate patterns in many parts of the world could mean that around 2 billion people will be battling hunger and malnutrition in the years ahead. That's according to the United Nations Special Rapporteur on the Rights to Food, Hilal Elver, who says climate change remains a serious threat to food security. The international community is meeting in Paris, France next month in an attempt to agree on a legally binding deal, which will keep rises in global temperatures to below 2 degrees Celsius. More from the UN Special Rapporteur on the rights to food, Hilal Elva.
2: While climate change is impacting on agriculture, agriculture is impacting on climate change, exacerbates more and more problems. The reason is the way in which we are producing foods right now, as of today and last 34 years, in countries that they, they basically do massive business and use and a lot of chemicals, and monoculture
4: type of agriculture. Now, recapping on your top stories, the Egyptian President Abdel Fattah al-Sisi calls for NATO power to help rebuild Libya. A cargo airplane crash lands shortly after takeoff in South Sudan's capital, Juba, and Rwanda touted as a model student in the improvement of its human development indices. Channel Africa News.
1: Well, thank you for joining us here on African Dialogue. My name is Benjamin Mushatama. A reminder that online you can listen to us on www.channelafrica.co.za. That's www.channelafrica.co.za. Well, this is African Dialogue. And remember, we come to you every Monday to Thursday at 1100 hours Central African time. And today we're looking at a very interesting topic. The conversation of gender is becoming dominant, especially when speaking about agriculture and the continent of africa according to UN women on average women make up about 43 percent of the agricultural labor force in developing country now currently the second woman conference for women in agriculture is underway in durban bringing together ladies in agriculture food security and agribusiness under the theme "Women in entrepreneurial development a must for the success of the Sustainable Development Goals in Africa. The conference is organized by NAPAD and the Agribusiness Development Agencies. Now we're going to try a crossover over to Durban and see what's happening that side. Let's try and see if our guests there. We're joined by, on the other side, Ms. Estherine Fotabong, who's one of the directors of NAPAD, as well as uh, Ms. Bungi Jobbe who is the director of uh, ZA NAC Consulting and Investment. And also we've got an entrepreneur from Malawi, Dr. Anne Msowoya. Let's see if we can uh, uh, get hold of them that are the side Miss Astorina, are you there with us? Yes, thank you Fantastic, yeah. is uh, Bungiwe there with us as well? Yes, yeah, good, uh, good afternoon Fantastic good And Dr. Esterin, are you there as well? Yes. Uh, Fantastic. Morning. That's the thing about ladies. Every time you make an appointment with them, they're surely going to be there. They will not disappoint. Unlike us males, always late. Every time I interview males, uh, they're always late. We can't get a hold of them on the phone. But every time we call a lady, definitely we'll get hold of them. I hope that you ladies are enjoying yourselves that side in Durban. Uh, Estherine, let's start the conversation with you. In terms of NAPET and its involvement with this particular uh, conference, Tell us a little bit about uh, why this conference is underway and the themes that will be covered this year.
2: Well, thank you, and thank you for having us and um, having the opportunity to um, talk about the the conference and um, the excitement that we have um, at NEPAD, but also as a participant in the second edition of the NEPAD Women in Agribusiness Forum. Um, well, our expectations are that we take um on how far we have come from last year. Um, it's not a long period where we've launched the, the, the first um, agribusiness forum, but we want to um, just see how far we have come in terms of the action, uh, the call of action that was adopted. Um, Last year. Secondly, mm. um, we, I, I mean, as you might know, um, key areas of focus for the forum include policy discussion. So, just bringing ourselves up to date on new developments in terms of policy. Secondly, training to women who are participating in the forum on partic- that's our specific topics related to agribusiness. And thirdly, is the exhibitions that we have. So we have women from all across the continent um, coming to showcase what they are doing in terms of uh, uh, um, primary processing and transformation of agricultural produce. So um, we are particularly pleased um, with the way the content um, is going. Mm -hmm. Um, We have, of course, really important discussions, policy discussions yesterday, given the context that we are operating, as you might know, 2015 was the year um, of, for women empowerment for the African Union. Then we also had the uh, Agenda 2063 adopted by sure. the African Union, which is a long-term vision for the continent, and it clearly um, puts women empowerment at the center of it. And so you are aware that last month, um, the world also adopted the SDGs, the sure. Development Goals, and um, certainly mm. um, I, will, I want to believe that women empowerment is very relevant in all the 17 SDG goals that were developed. So there has been huge and a lot of it's like policy development um, issues relevant for women empowerment and agribusiness in the last year, and so. We wanted to interrogate um, how we see this development and how. What are the practical things that needs to be done um, to support the environment? Because we all agree that, you know, if you want to end hunger by twenty thirty, you want to have zero hunger by twenty thirty. If you don't empower and support women in Africa who are producing eighty percent of the food how, food eaten by households then there's a huge um likely chance of that True you're
1: not going to attend that goal. Sure. I so, also want to look at that particular dimension that you're highlighting there, especially looking at uh, the period of transition that the world is in, especially as we move out from the Millennium Development Goals, as you highlighted there, uh, Ms. Bong, in terms of the transition from the Millennium Development Goals into the uh, Sustainable Development Goals. Let me let me move that to you, uh, you in terms of why is it pivotal for us to have such important uh, discussions regarding policy, organizational uh, development, training, and knowledge support to enhance this entrepreneurial uh, spirit among women who are involved in agriculture. I'm sure this is a pivotal time.
2: Um, Yes, it is. Actually, what's exciting about um, the timing of this uh, conference is that the 17 indicators still call it up for grabs in terms of what makes so uh, what's been useful in the discussion is identifying those areas of policies that could have a bearing, and particularly, as, as I mentioned yesterday, um, focusing on the, the 20% of the areas that are critical in order to unlock the 100% the 80% of value. So we looked at things like, um, and, and it means focusing on economic policies. I think historically uh, governments have focused very much on the production side, and now we're looking at economic policies. Uh, we're discussing the extent which the regulatory environment when we see better actually is cumbersome for small operators, but also for women, and finding ways of making it more efficient without necessarily using the safety of the areas that, that you have. So yes, it's about finding the economic policies and appropriate incentives and targets for
4: women and young people.
1: Mm. Well, we're going to take a quick break and uh, come back to our other guests, the Dr. Anna Mswoya, who's an entrepreneur from Malawi. Want to find out what kind of entrepreneur she is and why she is part of uh, this particular conference? We broadcasting live today, and we actually uh, streaming into uh, the Women in Agri Business Conference that's currently underway in Durban. Speaking about uh, these particular important issues that were highlighted earlier on by Mr. Sterine Fotobong, highlighting the main theme that is really connected with the adoption of the sustainable development goals as she highlighted there, the focus of those particular themes looking at policy, also how we can actually create organizational development within the continent, create those structures to support women involvement in agriculture. Uh, And I love this one, training and knowledge support to enhance the achievement of entrepreneurship development for African women. Because sometimes when we look at farming on the continent, we think it's a male-centric uh, dominated um, uh, you know industry, but now it 's not we 're seeing that historically we 've seen women playing a leading role in farming and agriculture. What are your thoughts about uh, actually how do you think we can empower women more in agriculture? What do we still need to do as a continent plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero that 's plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero let 's take a quick break and then we 'll go back to Durban
0: would like to get to know you our listener so we are asking you to tell us the country you're in and how you listen to the station is it via shortwave internet or satellite and what do you enjoy listening to you can sms us at plus two seven eight two double three two five nine oh five or email us it's at info at channelafrica.org you can also tell us via facebook or tweet us on the handle at Channel Africa Numerical One. Or write to us at the address P.O. Box, 91313 Auckland Park, Johannesburg, 2006, Republic of South Africa. We look forward to hearing from you. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance.
1: Today we're looking at this very important subject of uh, women in agriculture. We're crossing live to the Women in Agribusiness Conference, which is underway in Durban, actually put together by uh, uh, NAPAD and also in partnership with Agribusiness Development Agency. You're joining us right here on Channel Africa, your gateway to Africa and the voice of the African Renaissance. Just a reminder, if you're listening to us on the shortwave service into the continent, you're listening to us on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to Southern Africa. If you're listening to us uh, online, we're on www.channelafrica.co.za Online, uh, you can actually uh, listen to us on that particular stream, www.channelafrica.co.za and uh, on DSTV on Channel 902. That's Channel 902. Now, we're going back into Durban. We're broadcasting right here in Johannesburg and finding out what's happening at this uh, woman in Agribusiness uh, conference. Dr. Anam. So Warrior, let me come to you. Very important insights that were brought in there by Estherine and Bongi were there when we started our program. In terms of this issue that we're talking about, women in agribusiness, how important is it? But before we get into that particular answer, let me know in terms of your involvement in agriculture and your entrepreneurial uh, aspirations.
2: Um, um, uh, thank you very much. Uh, we are involved in uh, tomato processing, as you know, tomato is a base for every dish in Africa, and it's very very important. We can't do without it, and also it's very you know with the uh, climate changing here and there, it's uh, without preserving it, with, you know, it's, it's really hard. So. We are called P2 Kitchens, and uh, we are from Malawi, in the northern part of Malawi. We've been doing this for three years. Ah, and uh, it took us uh, two it, it years to actually just get the uh, Bureau of Standards of Malawi mm. to be able to sell in, um, in, uh, in the supermarkets uh, all over Malawi. And it was an important um, uh, uh, issue for us, because you deal with grassroots women. And uh, it's very hard, you know, when you're talking of the standards, and to be able to achieve it is really remarkable. And Mm -hmm. then coming to to this conference, it highlights a lot of uh, issues. The training is the most important thing. And as much as uh, we all agree here that the women are the uh, most producers of in agri business, they need to be actually be given the training. uh, that is needed, and this conference highlights that. And this conference, continuity of this conference uh, with the same people, the same group, will be very, very critical and very, very important.
1: Mm. Staying with that particular theme with you, uh, uh, Dr. Anna Msooya, in terms of uh, Malawi, you're saying it was very difficult getting into the market. Uh, because of policies in your country. Tell us a little bit about those challenges. Where were the main challenges? And do you think the environment is more conducive for big corporates? What were the main challenges for you?
2: The main challenges, uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I have to say government changes and what policies that are in place, that don't favor the uh, women in agriculture. I think we are, you know, one of the other, I think, big problems that I, I see, that, as, we are, as I've told you that this is my first time to this uh, conference, the people who come to this conference are not the people who are actually doing the work. And so that is also an issue, because uh, when uh, these conferences, they uh, contact the country programs to say people who are involved in this to come to the conference, it's the officers, in those uh, departments, governments will come. As a result, when they go back, they don't uh, call us to say, we went to this conference and this is what we'll discuss and this is what we need to, to be able to do. And also this the government having this political will to actually embrace the women businesses. You know, it's a talk, you know, as you said, they talk a lot, uh, they talk a good game. But to actually implement it is very, Mm. very difficult. And so, for us to be, you know, for me, for for our cooperative to even be able to come here, and I think it is the initiative of Nepa themselves actually say we need people who are actually doing things. That's why we are here. Otherwise, wouldn't have been here. Would have still been the government people to to come here. And it's just a waste of force. So I think for for Malawi government, they have a lot to do. Because Malawi, as you know, is landlocked. Mm. And this is uh, predominantly agriculture. And if they can't, you know, even have, you know, help us to have these linkages mm. with the outside world, I mean, yes, we'll be, you know, slaving as we are slaving now, and no food uh, will come out of it.
1: Sure. Let me move to you, Estherine, and looking at uh, that particular example of uh, Dr. Anam Sawoya highlighting some of the challenges that she's having. In terms of, you know, sometimes there's a whole lot of red tape that, you know, comes with uh, entrepreneurial uh, industries such as agriculture and also a lot of things. And sometimes policies really favor international corporates. And then you find out that, you know, small, medium enterprises and, you know, smallholder farmers, uh, those, you know, local farmers were trying to actually sustain themselves, trying to actually move into the business side of agriculture, finding it very difficult to get into the market what can we actually do to actually create policy that creates a very conducive and favored environment for local women
2: well I, I think that's a million dollar question sure sure um, and I, I think us we have to set that by recognizing that there are some policies there that, um, that Um, government put in place to incentivize small and medium-sized enterprises. Um, I think the biggest challenge, and I said some, there are some policies and legislations that more needs to be done, but we need to look at the other side. The the issue of even implementing what we have now, um, which is
7: Hmm.
2: another of your challenge. I had a a, a preparatory meeting with the regional economic communities two days ago. And just having an inventory of the policies that they have at the rate is something that has not been done. And I think this applies to the countries ourselves, where the, 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 the legislation policies that have been put in place and have not been communicated to... Um, the stakeholders on the ground in this case, the smallholder farmers and the small um, women entrepreneurs. We, we are just coming out from a session where a case study was presented uh, on on the agro uh, agri- industry, and one mm. of the issues was that uh, the fixing of standards and labelling. You know, these these are critical issues if you want to go into the market. Mm. Now, if the women groups do not are not aware of the standards, um, then it's an issue on how they can access markets. So, as um, we was saying, we, we need a lot of capacity building, a lot of information, awareness sharing, on current uh, 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 policies and legislations that are there that can access um, uh, women uh, in agribusiness.
1: Sure. But sure.
2: secondly, I, I would like to make the point that as women uh, in agriculture, I think they themselves also need to demand more. Um, because they, I, I think, well, it is our view that um, somehow the power that they have in terms of, you know, the, the, their contribution to the economy of, of our African countries is not, not well appreciated mm-hmm. by the government, neither are the women themselves aware of how powerful their contributions are, and we think that part of the equation going forward is for women to take their leadership role and demand from their government, but also within their own institutions, higher standards in terms of um, supporting them in better policies, making available investment opportunities making available relevant and appropriate technologies that can help um, uh, uh, grow the business sure. and access in markets as we
1: go forward. Sure. Maybe that brings me to go to Bung-Yu and Jobe who is from Director ZA NAC Consulting and Investment. Now, Bungie tell me what uh, ZA Neck Consulting and Investment does. Uh, let's get your story a little bit and how you involved in agriculture. <laughs> how
2: did I get involved? It's... Um, Okay, I'm a trained uh-huh. reader, and
1: I have over the last thirty years worked in, in academia in research. In, um, um, uh, sorry to interrupt you, Bo, yeah. I, I need you to move closer to that um, uh, device that you're using because right now you're sounding a bit a bit far off from it. so, so if you can just bring it a bit closer okay. so we can hear a, a little bit clearer. thank you so much. All
2: right, thank you for that. So, I'm involved in agriculture at multiple levels. I'm a trained plant leader and have worked in academia and education, uh, agricultural education and academia. Then I work in government, implementing policies, so I understand some of the challenges and the private sector. So, my consulting practice is more a strategy management practice and I work with the NEPAD implementing agency to try and um, think through some of the options that we have and to introduce research into what the options are. So, so that's
1: really the how I come in. Um, with yeah, very interesting. And just to pick your brain with that, Bungiwe, you know, in terms of empowering women, because that's the, the key in terms of Support and creating structures that also financially support these uh, small, medium or smallholder farmers to actually sustain their business and also just also for a form of capital because that's the most challenge for uh, African farmers. Capital seems to be the area where most women might not have an advantage in. Are there any strategies that we can utilize as governments, as private sector to actually support uh, female farmers or those who are involved in Agribusiness?
2: Um, yes, they are. Um, I think one should separate direct support and indirect support. At the opening session, we spoke at length about the value of a networking platforms such as this one, but also the experience of the South African female, it's now called the Female Entrepreneur of the Year, of the year mm. which is an event well, it's an event that I had started in our and what it tries to do is give visibility. So by giving visibility to success stories, you're able to mobilise other people to participate. You have sure. an indirect uh, level of um, support that government can do, so, you to know, champion the cause of women entrepreneurs. Um, directly, it, it obviously has to happen through um, policy, creating the right enabling environment. And as I said earlier, economic policy, specifically in this case, we're looking at uh, development finance policy. We're looking at um, the uh, research and technology transfer policies and how how those focus in the areas of value addition. And then thirdly, areas of um, regu- the regulatory space, food mm. safety issues. Mm. Um, food safety one is very difficult because it, it's cumbersome, but it's necessary. So uh, it's necessary because... Uh, you have to know where your food is coming from, and it has to be for the right quality, there has to be hygiene. But on the other hand, it's cumbersome because it's a lot of regulatory work, and sometimes we're not creative in how we achieve um, that kind of food safety level without necessarily burdening somebody who's an entrepreneur without too much capital. Mm. The last area, I think, is really in the form of information which can be provided generally through information services, but also directly through training and uh, capacity building, which I think is some of the work that's going on across the country.
1: Very interesting indeed. And we'll come back to some of those issues. And when we come back, I, I really want to look at the idea of uh, some of the issues that were highlighted there by Bungi. We're looking at gender-sensitive financial uh, services as well. How do we provide those that are very female-centric to look at some of those challenges women face within the agricultural uh, uh, field? Uh, but also when I come back, I'd really like to come back to that issue that was highlighted by Dr. Anam the entrepreneur from Malawi who is speaking about the importance of training and creating that base where there's knowledge support but you're listening to Channel Africa and today we're crossing live to Durban we're crossing to the Women in Agribusiness Conference which is organised by NAPED alongside the Agribusiness Development Agency we've got uh, and Njobe who just uh, spoke to us right now the last to speak on that particular section of the programme the director of ZA NAC Consulting and Investment. And we also have Estherine Fotabong, who is one of the directors of NAPED. We've got uh, Dr. Anam Suwoya, who is an entrepreneur from Malawi, working in the sector of tomatoes. Very interesting indeed. And she was highlighting earlier on some of those challenges that are faced within uh, Malawi because of policy and also the issue of red tape. But we're going to continue this conversation after this break. (music)
0: Across the globe, every second there's always a breaking story.
4: for Channel Africa Radio in Ethiopia's capital, Addis Ababa. For Channel Africa, I'm Lilian Strobach reporting from the ICC
3: in The Hague. Reporting for Channel Africa, I'm Hilda Kekelua in Zambia.
0: Our cutting-edge and hard-hitting journalism leaves no stone unturned, giving you the whole picture every time.
1: George Muhango. Channel Africa blanter This is Lansana
6: Fofana. Reporting for Channel Africa from Freetown. Reporting for Channel Africa in Harare, Zimbabwe. This is Simon Muchemwa. Reporting for Channel Africa. This is Moki Kinsaka. In From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French,
2: Sesotho, Portuguese, and Chinyanja, informing the world about Africa. <laughs> in world, in Lesotho. Reporting for Channel Africa, in Nairobi. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance.
1: Hey, your thoughts. How do you think we can better empower women in agriculture, women in farming? What are your thoughts? Send us your SMS on Plus 27796957930. That's plus 2779-695-7930. As I've been mentioning today, we are crossing live to Durban. Women in Agribusiness Conference is underway. And today they're speaking about this particular important theme, women in entrepreneurial development, a must for the success of the sustainable. Development Goals in Africa and we know that that's the main theme that the world is talking about, the new introduction of the SDGs and African women are gathering and there are various stakeholders who are part of the agriculture industry, part of the food security industry, agribusiness, who speaking about these pivotal issues and already we've kick-started this conversation uh, in a very fast pace, but I want us to move on uh, and maybe come to you Dr. Anna Msawoy speaking about uh, uh, the issues that were highlighted by uh, were there in terms of creating that support for women in, in business, creating that atmosphere whereby there's excess for women in terms of information, capital, financial services. Uh, Give us a lowdown on what's happening in Malawi. Do we have uh, services that are available for female farmers, for women in agribusiness that is accessible and good support that actually ensures that they can actually, uh, you know, uh, pursue that particular uh, business that they're trying to embark on?
2: Uh, I'm sure they're there, the services, but uh, as I, again, as I said, it depends who is accessing it. Uh, definitely it's not many of the women in agri-business, and, uh, you know, there's no information. If they're there, there's no information on how to access it. I'll, I'll just talk about, like, uh, this last year, we wrote a proposal at the Glass level to Malawi Innovation Fund, which uh, were the only glasses in Malawi that got that funding. But the challenge becomes: it's uh, it's uh, on an investment basis. You have to spend money upfront to be able to actually uh, get what they want. And so the question is: you're a grassroots, you are just uh, a startup. Where are you going to get the money to spend upfront and to be able to do that? So then you have these milestones that you have to reach. This milestone one, in order to get that investment. So it's still very difficult. As much as women, uh, 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 we are trying to be fierce to be able to look into that, there are still all these obstacles that you can't move beyond that. Mm. So, you know, the short answer is, uh, I'm sure there are policies or or services that do that, but who accepts them because we don't have that information.
1: Yeah, that's an important issue. I think Bonyo also brought that into the line, that information-sharing source. Esther, in your views, where we are with the conversation, do you have anything to add to this issue of finances?
2: Um, well, I mean, I, I think more than I just said, um, I fully agree in what Bonyo of said. You know, information is critical. If you don't know first what are the possibilities that are there, then you cannot speak about access. So that's one. The second one is even when you know and the conditions um, for you to um, uh, access the finance are are, are difficult, then it really doesn't help you in growing your business. So the the examples that um, Anna just gave, uh, I think these are the kinds of things that we can find right across many African countries, based on the conversations that we've been having today, we've heard many of the women um, making the same point to say they need information and where they can access funds, the issues of, you know, the conditions that are tied to credit as something that needs mm. to be looked into.
1: Mm. And also, uh, let me let me come back to you, Bongiwe, because you highlighted this issue of um, that acceleration of um, um, you know information sharing. But also, I feel like also, you know that whole gender sensitive financial support is also important you know not just because it's 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 a very different industry and women work differently than than men as well not in terms of there's an inferior complex to that but in terms of uh, th- that financial support should actually Way in the types of lives women live, women have children. Women have uh, uh, more responsibilities in terms of how they work in, in in any field, whether business, whether in agriculture, whether in journalism or in media. Women have a certain different form of working. Should we create, a, you know, a, a sensitive uh, space whereby financial services understand the kind of woman it serves? I, I
2: think. As you were asking the question, I, I was wondering, you know, where is the starting point? And I think there's a reality that we're not parachuting from the sky into society. Sure. So we do doing whatever interventions come into play need to start from where society is. And I think where society is, is there's a need to demonstrate um, the, the value of accessible access to finance. Um, it happens in the workplace and I think, interestingly, corporates will find it easier to develop um, tools or rather schemes that differentiate uh, access by women and men. What's the real challenge is what happens in the family environment and in the societal environment where the contracting capability of women may be affected by the fact that she may be in a, relation, in a marriage where both have to sign on, and what happens is it's a very soft issue, but it's a real issue. The question of whether or not both parties should be signatory to a loan where effectively the woman is going to be um, doing the work or making uh, good on that loan, or you allow the woman in her individual capacity to do that because she's running a business and you don't bring in her social relationship with with her male partner. Those are extremely sensitive, uh, rather complex issues, so for me, what one needs are platforms where people talk about those issues. And I've seen or I've heard of some amazing uh, success stories, for example, coffee, female coffee producers in mm. Burundi, who work through a female entrepreneur who is targeting the fair trade uh, segment Strong. of green coffee yeah. in, in the Northern Hemisphere. And the way, what she does is, is she facilitates a dual levels of engagement First of all, she has the women sign up to the cooperative as women. However, during the process of production and harvesting and payment, she uh, almost very strategically brings in the men so that while the woman is thoroughly the legally empowered person to both receive the Mm. payment, Mm. the man is also involved in the process of celebrating success because she knows that in many cases, the man actually doesn't do much work on the coffee plantation but you do not want to be getting into separating them when it comes to the money, but she keep the legal authority in the hands of the women. So I think mm. different models are being tested across across the continent, and this platform is extremely useful to bringing those models to the and dealing with complexity, this labyrinth of uh, the practical side of women's empowerment and then the social side of it. Uh, but I think that if, if government and public entities facilitated dialogue, sure. at least you'd be talking about this, and you'd get some coming out. Almost like the she campaign that the UN Women are running on on gender gender violence, I think about, yeah. Mm. Least, right, yeah. yeah so I think that yeah. dialogue and it's information and it's sensitivity, uh, and just teaching people about the value, demonstrating the value of gender equity.
1: Sure. And, and let me wrap it up with looking at it from a more futuristic perspective, looking at young people or young women in farming. I mean, there are stories that I've heard personally of, you know, women in my life who are actually now starting to be more interested in uh, agriculture. And very fascinating, fascinating for me is actually women within urban settings are actually starting to look at how can I get involved in agriculture. Dr. Anam Sawoya from Malawi, uh, you are involved in the the agriculture space have you seen young women actually uh being involved in in farming i'm, I'm very interested in what's happening there and in terms of uh, especially in urban settings do we see a trend of uh, a young women being interested in, in farming and agriculture
2: yeah in malawi definitely because um, um uh you know jobs are very very scarce mm-hmm. and i think uh, most of them are involved in agriculture, uh, these young people, because there's nowhere else to go. But apart from that, you know, I think um, uh, in our conference today, uh, uh, you know, we have a young woman from Botswana who is like really a big, you know, like if he, she went to Malawi, all these places, they can actually see that, uh, yeah, this is a, a young woman who went to school. But it's a young woman who is making it big in agriculture, and uh, you know, getting involved in farming. Too. because you know what, there's also an issue where when you get educated, you don't want to go and deal with uh, debt. You want to be in the office and do that. end and so it has always looked at farmers as for uh, and for people who didn't go to school, and those things have changed. Mm. So in Malawi, uh, I would say it would be a very important thing that the government would even actually champion that because Malawi is predominantly agriculture. You know, we don't have anything else apart from agriculture. And Mm. so it's important to actually bring in incentives, uh, bring in uh, training, bring in uh, anything that can excite the the young people to go. And apart from that, the HIV and AIDS has actually uh, claimed a generation. So between my my age is wiped out. So the young ones that are coming mm. in, mm. they have to actually be able to come up to say, this is a, another opportunity. I will go to school, I will do this, this but I can invest in an agriculture and be able to get what I want. Because why do we go to school, why do we work so hard? Is to have money, to mm. make money. Exactly. So you can, there are different ways of making money. Mm. And uh, we need to feed people. Everyone needs to eat. So if everyone needs to eat, we need people to grow these things. We sure. need people to, you know. So, so yeah, uh, yeah. in Malawi, I've seen more and more young uh, women and uh, men embarking on agriculture. But, well, again, the issue becomes resources.
1: Sure, sure.
2: How do they actually, you know, um, make it? Because, you know, agriculture is expensive.
1: Yeah, it is. You know,
2: there are a lot of things. like people. It's not a cheap uh, venture to, to get into. It's very, very expensive.
1: Sure. That's how we're going to wrap it up. And I think it was on an optimistic note there. But there's also other challenges I'm sure that you're going to be looking at at the conference, looking at how do women confront uh, the changing times we live in, especially when it comes to climate change. And we're seeing our weather mm-hmm. patterns on the continent uh, really changing drastically. Southern Africa, everyone is talking about the drought that we're experiencing. We're seeing that here in South Africa. So there's a lot of conversations that are happening. But thank you for joining us. Thank you to Mr. Sterin for tab- one of the directors at NAPAD. Thank you to Ms. Bungu Jobe, who's the director of ZA NAC Consulting and Investment. Thank you to Dr. Anam Swawoya, an entrepreneur working in agribusiness in Malawi. Thank you all for joining us then, Durban. Well, that's how we wrap it up. Fantastic, fantastic conversation. Really enjoyed that. Very great insights that we got from those ladies there. Hey, what are your thoughts around this conversation we're having? How do we actually empower women in agribusiness? How do we make sure we have a vibrant uh, farming uh, industry where women are actually accelerating it and are actually dominating in terms of uh, their work within that particular field. Hey, already women make up 43% of the agricultural labor force in developing countries. What are your thoughts around this? Plus 27-79-695-7930. 9, 9, That's our SMS number. Plus We want to hear from you. Now it's time for us to move on. Let's we go on a break and then we'll get our economics update from Wisani Matebula.
3: To Africa, get to know Channel
5: Africa and all the people who bring news views and great African entertainment
3: Bonjour à tous.
1: you can now catch Channel Africa on DSTV audio bouquet
3: Channel
4: 902
1: Channel
6: Africa
4: the voice of the African Renaissance.
6: Thanks, Benjamin, and good morning. Some 50 African government ministers are attending the three-day intellectual property conference for an emerging Africa held in the Senegalese capital, Dakar. The World Intellectual Property Organization is stressing the importance of intellectual property in incentivizing innovation and creativity to promote economic and social development across the continent. Tavis Olehook reports.
0: Some 50 government ministers from across the continent have attended the opening of the three-day African Ministerial Conference 2015. The Intellectual Property for an Emerging Africa Conference is held in the Senegalese capital, Dakar. World Intellectual Property Organization Director General Francis Guerri says, ultimately, the source for all innovation and creativity is human beings. He says well-developed national intellectual property systems can help African countries unlock their citizens' creativity and innovation by boosting economic growth. Tabisolo Hoko Channel Africa in Johannesburg.
6: Egyptian President Abdel Fattah al-Assisi has approved six new oil and gas exploration contracts for investments worth at least $2.2 billion. The agreements included the search for oil and gas in the Mediterranean Nile Delta, Western Desert and the Gulf of Suez. The deals were initially muted at an investment conference in Sham el-Sheikh earlier this year. Glencoe says it's on track uh, to reduce its debt and boost liquidity thanks to asset sales and plans to deepen copper output cuts to help lift prices. The Swiss-based company has pledged to cut its net debt to $20 billion from $30 billion by the end of next year to regain the trust of investors after its shares tumbled to record lows this year. As part of a debt reduction plan, Glencoe says it will sell assets, reduce capital expenditure, suspend dividend payments and raise $2.5 billion of new equity capital. South Africa's power utility, ESCOM, does not expect to implement blackouts up until April next year. CEO Brian Mulifeh has disclosed this in a briefing to South African Parliament. Fair says they will continue to supply the country's electricity and maintain their plant with minimal or no load shedding. Eskom has cut power to certain areas for only 2 hours and 20 minutes in the past 87 days. And SoftBank Group's second quarter operating profit has risen 39% on cost cuts and some improvements at its struggling US unit Sprint Corporation. SoftBank purchased a majority stake in US wireless carrier Sprint for more than 20 billion US dollars in 2013. The bank says it's confident in Sprint's turnaround with more restructuring such as job cards to be implemented in the months ahead. That's how it's looking this hour. I'll be back in an hour's time with another update.
1: Now let's move on to our sports with Mosibudi Makura.
3: Thank you, Benji. Good day, sports fans. FIFA presidential candidate Tokyo Zahuala has called for more African influence in the world's football governing body. Addressing a sports conference in New York in the United States, he said lessons learned from his friend Nelson Mandela would help him brand the organization if he's elected. Zahuala is one of the seven candidates hoping to become FIFA president next year. Zahuala says after months of scandals at FIFA, he knows what would need it um, to do if he was put up to the task.
0: It is to undo the
3: crippling damage done to the FIFA brand globally by these scandalous allegations of corruption, of bribery and all this. The first task is to undo that. And that damage has been done affecting all stakeholders, the fans, the children. I think it's now time that the president of FIFA should also come from other regions of the world and Africa is just one of them. Zambia's under 23 national team coach Frighten Simokonda has announced a provisional list of 29 players for the Africa um, 2015 under 23 Cup of Nations tournament to be held in Senegal from the 28th of November. Zambia communications manager Ngwetu Temwe says the 16 players would immediately go into camp in Lusaka on the 4th of November, while the other 13 would join following assignments with the senior national team on the 15th of November. The players will report for camp at the Golden Peacock Hotel in Lusaka, Zambia has been placed in Group A along with the host Senegal, South Africa as well as Tunisia. On to Hockey News, the South African Hockey Association Executive Committee is working hard to meet the South African Sports Confederation and Olympic Committee regarding the Rio Olympics qualification. This follows a confirmation from SASCOC that they will not consider a continental qualification route for the men and women's hockey teams for next year's Rio Olympics. The SA men and women's team both won the African Hockey Championship titles this past weekend, beating Egypt as well as Ghana respectively at the Randberg Hockey Stadium in Johannesburg. Hockey South Africa CEO Marissa Langeni says according to the International Olympic Committee and International Hockey Federation standards, their teams have qualified for the Rio Olympics.
5: The two South African
3: national teams
5: for, for hockey have participated in the African championships and just to speak a little bit about the championships this has been the biggest African event that has been in the history of the game we had nine teams in the men's competition we had seven teams in the women's competition we had the likes of Botswana who were participating probably the second time ever um, we had our neighbours Zimbabwe, Botswana, um, Namibia so these events have actually been the biggest that, that Africa Hockey has hosted and South Africa went into it a little bit cautious purely because we felt find that the gap is closing. The gap between South Africa and their African counterparts is closing. Teams are now training overseas. The likes of Ghana are now part of a TAP program together with England Hockey and they're basically training in England and their coaching staff is being supplied by England Hockey. So that gap is closing and um, we respect every opponent that our teams play. And yes, the two hockey teams are the African champions. As per the criteria or the Rio Olympic criteria set by the International Hockey, I mean, the International hockey Federation as well as the Olympic Commission. The criteria says continental qualification as well as World League um, qualification. Our teams did not make it through the World League process and have now qualified through the continent. So history will show that the two national SA hockey teams have qualified for the Rio Olympics as per criteria accepted by the FIH and the IOC.
3: And finding golf news, some of the world's golfing greats had their chance to test out their rhythm skills in Shanghai, China, ahead of the 2015 World Golf Championship starting on Thursday. The likes of Roy McIlroy, Jordan Spieth, Hendrik Stenson and Booba Watson will also be teeing off this week. McIlroy says he's ready for the event.
4: just had
1: something from room service a couple of nights ago and yesterday wasn't, wasn't good at all. I thought. I would have been better this morning. I went had a piece of toast and
4: a couple of bits of melon, and um, I came out here thinking, you know, I'll try and hit a few balls and stuff. But even just making a couple of swings, my mm-hmm. so stomach was too sore to even try to hit a shot. That's so, um, just another day of rest, and hopefully,
1: hopefully, I'll be better tomorrow and I can play. Did you not get much sleep last night um, either? No, I was up from about one to four last night yeah
2: so and then the night before i was sort of did start until about four o'clock in the morning but then it
1: was just yeah so it's been it has been great have
7: you seen the doctor yes something?
1: yeah so he's given me antibiotics uh buscopan for the abdominal pain and then some painkillers as well i'll be loaded up so hopefully i'll be okay
3: those Zaya sports news at the hour stay tuned to channel africa the voice of the african renaissance
1: Well, thank you for joining us today. Remember the question, what can we do to actually promote uh, women in agriculture? What more can we do to support women in agriculture? Today we're spook- speaking to Women in Agribusiness Conference that is taking place in Durban. Let us know your thoughts. We want to hear from you. We always get excited to hear your varying views. So let us know what you think about this topic. SMS us on plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero. 2779-695-7930. If you're in South Africa, it's 79 695 930, the same number without the plus two seven. Thank you for joining us. It's been a great uh, program today. What great uh, views that came out from this particular program. We're going to end the program with the song. This is Papa Wemba, Show Me The Way.
7: The end, show me the way I can go. Take me by the end. Show me the way.